Welcome to Answers from Antioch. You have joined us at the intersection of God's Word and today's world. This broadcast is brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. Join us as we examine information that impacts the church, the Christian, and the Christian home. Hello, everyone. Thanks so very much for tuning in today, and I am honored to be your guest. What a blessing that it is for me to have some time with you, and we hope the program today is a great source of inspiration, enlightenment, and encouragement. My co-host, Pastor Josh, is with us today as well, so thank you for being part of that. Well, a lot of things to share with you, as we always have here on our program, and we had quite a response from individuals that listened to last Sunday's programs. We talked about the Columbus Day that was coming up this past Monday, and certainly we remember and were reminded uh, through that bit of information that God was definitely in the plans of discovering America. No question about it. When you read true history, we find the truth, and I think that's so very important. And uh, I want to just cover something that's come out this week and that is continually I'm hearing the term Christian nationalist, Christian nationalist. And that has been a label that's been given to Christians uh, who want to have a part in the government and who want to vote according to their Christian principles. Then we've been labeled by the left and the progressives as uh, a Christian nationalist. Well, our nation was discovered with Christian principles in mind, as we mentioned last Monday. Also, our nation was founded on Judeo-Christian ethics. We all know that, listening to this program. Anyone with an open mind reading true history would have to come to that conclusion, no question about it. And so Christians are to be involved in the government in every form or fashion because we are Christians. How are you going to separate your Bible beliefs, your biblical worldview from that which you are engaged in, whether it's politics, whether it's running a business, running a government, running a home, whatever it may be. You're a Christian 24-7. You may work a job 8 to 5 or whatever the shift may be. You may work a political job 8 to 5. You might be a governor during these days or whatever your position may be. But what I'm saying is this. We cannot in any form or fashion forget the fact and lay aside that we are Christians. We're voting to please God. We're operating our lives to please God. Our biblical worldview governs everything we do. Let's not lay that aside. Well, what did Jefferson mean? What did President Jefferson mean when he wrote that letter to the Baptist at the Danbury, Connecticut church there. He wrote them a letter. He mailed it on a Friday. And I'm going to tell you why that's important in a minute. He mailed it on a Friday, but here is a quote from that letter because the church was having a little persecution from the state of Connecticut. And President Jefferson, President Thomas Jefferson, wrote this, and I'm quoting just a portion of this. He says, I believe with you, that religion is a matter which has solely between a man and his God. It lies solely between a man and his God, that he owes account to none other for his faith or his worship, 
that the legitimate powers of government reach actions only and not opinions. I contemplate with sovereign reverence the act of the whole American people which declared that their legislators should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. A wall of separation between church and state. Now, we've heard that over and over again and that argued and it says that means the church is not to be involved in the public offices or they're not to be involved in the writing of laws or in as elected officials. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not what that means. You cannot read that into this passage that Jefferson wrote. Besides, it was in a letter, not any of our founding documents. And I agree with Dr. Richard Land. He's a great, uh, first of all, a, a great Christian and then also a great historian and a great Bible college educator and great preacher. Well, he covers all those things. But I agree with him when he says absolutely Jefferson was talking about the institution of the church and the institution of the government. There should be a separation. And most of the action and can we say most of the restriction is placed on the government, not on the church. Now, in today, when they label you and I Christian nationalist, uh, they want to place the emphasis on the church. And by the way, the term of giving you uh, a name as Christian nationalist, giving you and I that name, which I'm not ashamed of at all, but the term there is certainly the same plan that Marxism had. When your enemies don't agree with you, then give them a label give them some kind of a name that's disparaging and that name and that label will cause them to back off and say, well, I don't want to be a Christian nationalist or I don't want to be this, that, and the other. Everybody in the world has been accused of racism and uh, it's, it's amazing that term was not so relevant uh, until we had our elected black president President Obama, two terms, and everyone thought, and it was my hopes, that it would bring together everyone in a powerful way, but that term was used more and more and more, and now is everywhere, and they want the same term for Christian nationalists. Now, I've never been a racist fella. I know myself. I know my own thoughts. Never in my lifetime have I been racist. And I would not tolerate it in any of my family. I wouldn't tolerate it here in our church. We have a mixed congregation right here in our church, and I'm so thankful for that. But what I am saying to you today is don't let labels keep you from being what you know Christ wants you to be. We are biblical people. We believe the Bible. We're Bible believers. We're going to operate according to Scripture. We're going to operate our lives according to scriptures. We're going to operate our businesses. We're going to conduct ourselves socially, economically, politically, every way, form, or fashion. We are going to operate according to the Bible. And you can label me whatever you wish. Makes no difference. But I'm going to stand on the Word of God. We know Thomas Jefferson sided with the church here, not the government, and he was president. 
when he wrote this letter to the Baptist there in Connecticut. By the way, another reason we know that uh, he was siding with the church is that that letter was mailed on Friday, and on Sunday, that very week, on Sunday, less than 48 hours later, he attended a worship service there in the House of Representatives where the preacher was the famous minister in those days, John Leland. He was the most prominent Baptist leader in the early federal period there. He preached a sermon from the House of Representatives speaker's rostrum, and they had church right there. And guess who was in the service? None other than President Thomas Jefferson. So we realize he definitely was on the side of the church, and the church should have every place, even using the House of Representatives, as a place to have a service. And that's important for you and I to remember, is that our government was not to be separate from the dictates of God's Word, nor should it be separate from the principles of the preaching of God's Word and the teaching of God's Word, but the church was to be, in essence, the governing, can we say, the conscience of America. That was the intended purpose of the church, not only in America, but in every nation. And our Lord gives us the supreme command, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, all the world, does that mean all the world except in the political world or the governmental world? No, all the world means all the world. And we're to preach the gospel, teaching them, we're told, and, and discipling them, and baptizing them in the name of the Lord Jesus. So the Great Commission given to every believer is to be involved in every part of life itself with the Christian principles of the Word of God and the dictates taught to us by our Lord Jesus Christ Himself through the person of the Holy Spirit. So, let us not forget that in these days. Perhaps you have wondered what this Christian nationalism and all this is, and you shouldn't be labeled that, and it makes you feel disparagingly uh, ridiculed. No, that's not the case, my friend, at all. Matter of fact, it's, uh, in my opinion, it might be a badge to wear proudly uh, that we might be called that, because it means that you're out there living a Christian life wherever you are, speaking boldly on behalf of the Lord Jesus and speaking the truth of God's holy word. So let's don't forget that, all right? Now, other things to share with you here. I was realizing this week also that much attack has been given against the Christians in Turkey, the Christians in Nigeria, literally just Christians all around the world are under more persecution than ever before. Even in the search of history, you can find out that Christians have been really persecuted. And, of course, our Lord prophesied this in Matthew 24, that in these last days, in these end times, there would be tremendous persecution against Christians. And our friends in Africa, our friends in Turkey, are seeing that, understand that now in Turkey the uh, Christian population has dropped from 20% to 0.2%. 
over the last century. Think about that, from 20% to 0.2% because of religious persecution. Nigeria, other places in Africa are being greatly persecuted. So let's remember our brothers and sisters in Christ, and persecution is stepping up here in America, my friend. The reason we talked about our first point of our program is the persecution against us, trying to label us anything and everything to keep us quiet. Again, this is communist tactics. This is Marxism tactics to do that. But you and I know better, and we're going to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to stand upon truth. Uh, Even uh, our great crisis pregnancy centers and our pro-life people and churches have been under attack physically. And, of course, uh, we've not seen uh, the uh, investigations of those who are doing the attacking as much as we would like to see that. Uh, But uh, we're praying for our pro-life people, our crisis pregnancy centers. Uh, We're praying for churches, asking God to protect Christians here in America and around the world. Let us be bold in our faith, though. Let us not drop our heads and deny our Lord Jesus Christ. But never is there a better time to proclaim Jesus than when it's dark. In the days of darkness. You know, Isaiah chapter 50 and verse number 10 is a precious verse. Reminds us that when we walk in darkness. And when we are in a place that we do not see light. Just remember, you can lean on Jesus. Who does have light, is light. And he knows the way he's leading you and leading me. So if you're in that dark place, trust Jesus. He is light. He knows where he's going. Stay close to him, stay with him, and lean on him during these days. Well, our co-host, Pastor Josh, has come to share some great truths with us as well. Thank you, Pastor Brad, and thank you to our listening audience for tuning in and joining us. If you are just joining us, you are listening to Answers from Antioch, brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. You can connect with us on our church website at AntiochBristol.com. Antioch is spelled A-N-T-I-O-C-H. We would love to hear from you and connect with you. There's so much available on our website, whether that be past episodes of this broadcast that you can go back and listen to, you can share it with others, and so much more. Our Sunday service Live stream videos are archived there as well in different formats that you can take advantage of that and so much more. I do want to invite you and make you aware of a couple special things happening at our church and in our area. And I think that you'll be interested in these special upcoming events. Uh, Next Sunday night, that'll be October the 23rd at 6 p.m., we will have Brother Phil Cross with us, and God has called him to a wonderful ministry of music down through the years, uh, whether it be songwriting or singing, and so much more that he's involved in. We are glad that he can be with us. Again, that'll be next Sunday, October 23rd at 6 p.m. here at the Antioch Baptist Church with Brother Phil Cross. Coming up on Sunday, November the 6th at 4 p.m., 
There is a community prayer service happening at the Cumberland Square Park in downtown Bristol, Virginia. That'll be again at 4 o'clock Sunday, November 6th, just ahead of the important midterm elections happening that Tuesday, November the 8th. And this is not a political rally. This is a time for churches to come together, seek the face of God, turn from our wicked ways, just as Second Chronicles 7.14 tells us, and just pray that God would have mercy upon our country. And this is open to the public. Uh, please bring a lawn chair or something to sit on. It'll just be there in the open uh, at the Cumberland Square Park located in downtown Bristol, Virginia, right off of Cumberland Avenue and Lee Street. And we invite you to that again one more time. The time for that special event is Sunday, November the 6th at 4 p.m. at the Cumberland Square Park in Bristol, Virginia. And then on Thursday night, November the 17th, right here at Antioch Baptist Church, we will have the Hoppers singing. And they have served the Lord faithfully for decades, and they live the message that they sing about. And that's what we love about these people, whether it be Phil Cross or the Hoppers. And that's why we support them the way that we do, is because they are genuine followers of Jesus Christ, and they aren't here for performance. They're here to worship the Lord. And so we would love to see our radio family, our listening family, whether it be through podcast or radio, at uh, this singing on Thursday night, November the 17th. It begins at 7 p.m. here at Antioch, and you are invited to take part in that. Well, that's a lot of commercials that I've given you, but it's things that we want you to be involved in. Whether or not you can be there in person, you can join us in prayer. You can join us in worship at these special prayer events and other services as well. Now, this month is set aside as Pastor Appreciation Month. And that's a wonderful sentiment, and I am grateful and thankful for our church family. They set aside today as being our church's Pastor Appreciation Sunday. And so I thought it would be helpful to share some practical ways that you can be an encouragement to your pastor and just some ways to show your appreciation for your pastor. No, I'm not talking about spending a lot of money. Most of the things that I'm going to mention are, are things that don't cost any money. Uh, but of course, if God lays it on your heart to bless them through a, a gift or a gift card or some kind of financial gift, then by all means, do it. And uh, as we know, God loves a cheerful giver. So I won't exclude that from the list, but that's not the point of this list. And I, I want to start with the most important thing that I believe that we can do for pastors, and that is to pray for them. God knows the burdens that pastors carry and the weight that they carry. Serving in pastoral ministry about 15 years myself, I can tell you, it's a heavy weight. It's a heavy burden. The spiritual care of the church that God has called us to and the spiritual burden that we come under to desire and to see every single person walking 
with the Lord, growing in their relationship with Jesus. And when we see people straying away from that, giving in to the world, my, what a, a burden that it brings to us. And we call out to God on their behalf constantly. So there's that spiritual strain. There's also uh, relationships that the pastor is involved in and, and trying to navigate each of these things and, and trying to find God's will for the church, trying to reach out to the community, trying to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world, uh, trying to lift up the many, many burdens and prayer requests that come to the pastor's attention. It's a spiritual strain. And so let's join together in praying for our pastor. Let me practically ask you, would you commit to praying for your pastor at least once every single day? Now, maybe you go to a church that has multiple pastoral staff. Call out every single one of them to the Lord in prayer by name every single day. God knows how to meet them in their need and encourage their hearts in the Lord. And that's the second thing I want to move to. Not just praying for them, although prayer is so essential. Prayer is so vital because God knows the burdens of our heart and He knows how to answer that prayer. But turn your prayers into actions. Maybe while you're praying, God will speak to your heart and say, you need to send your pastor a note. Maybe it's a text message. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's a, a kind handwritten note that you just say, God has laid you on my heart today. I want you to know that I'm praying for you. We love you. We're grateful for you. We thank God for you. You don't know what that will do to the heart of your pastor. Just to encourage them in a simple way to know that their labor is making a difference in your life. Pastors often hear the prayer request and the burdens and the problems and the struggles. Man, how it lifts uh, their spirits, how it puts air in their cells to hear the good news that what I'm doing is making a difference. I am making an impact in the life of this congregation. God is allowing me to be a blessing to others. Now, I'm not promoting a, a man-centered Oh, we've just got to keep puffing up this man. No, I think you understand my heart behind this. Please don't hear any air of uh, building up people and puffing them up in pride. We need to avoid that at all costs. But the Bible does tell us to encourage one another and to provoke each other to love and to good works and, and to love one another. And one of the expressions of our love can be these uh, words of kindness to encourage those. You know, many years ago, a relationship book that still gains a whole lot of traction today is the love languages and learning how people respond differently to different things. And pastors are no different. Uh, some pastors may respond great to those words. Some pastors may be, uh, need someone to spend time with them and to encourage them in those kinds of ways. And that's another area that you can do. Maybe your pastor doesn't respond as greatly to the words, but they do respond greatly to time. So maybe you can drop by or schedule some time to take your pastor out on a special outing. Find something that he enjoys. 
Maybe that's uh, a man taking uh, the pastor on a fishing trip. I don't know. Just see the kinds of things that your pastor enjoys doing and offer to go and spend time with them in doing those things uh, as appropriate, of course. And I'm not talking about any kind of inappropriate relationship in any way, shape, or form. Just giving you some practical tools of things that you can do to encourage your pastor during this Pastor Appreciation Month. There are books that your pastor uses, and to the pastor, books are the tools of the trade. And uh, there's many good resources that your pastor would like to avail himself of, but many times there are budget constraints for the pastor to consider and not always having all the resources at his fingertips. Now, in today's current technology, uh, there are technological uh, uh, tools that the pastor can use. There are Bible study uh, software programs and that the pastor can use and build a digital library that is very helpful and very essential to the work of ministry and understanding God's Word faithfully and accurately so that in turn they can uh, preach it and teach it faithfully and accurately to the congregation. Maybe you can get a gift card uh, to your pastor for uh, a bookstore or for an online website where they could order books and resources from. Maybe your church could have a a time when they invest money to give to the pastor to spend on books or uh, in a digital library or to purchase better software so that they can fully uh, fulfill the calling and utilize all the tools and resources that are available at their disposal. Uh, I want to add this into why should I consider doing that for my pastors because uh, you will reap the benefits. The more time that they can spend in the study and accurately understanding God's Word, the better they can communicate that out to the congregation, and the healthier and stronger the congregation will become spiritually, and we will grow into greater maturity. Why do you think Paul spent so much time telling Timothy Uh, Things like study or be diligent to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He said, Timothy, you need to get to the place where you are confident in sharing God's truth because you understand it. And pastors need to feel that same sense of confidence, not in their own abilities, but in the fact that I have faithfully and accurately and to the best of my ability utilized all the tools and resources that I have available at my disposal to understand what God's Word is teaching and then in turn to faithfully proclaim that truth, knowing that we're standing firm upon God's unchanging truth. And so these are things that are a little bit outside of the box that we tend not to think about when it comes to pastoral appreciation. But again, as books are the tools of the trade for pastors and helping them to grow in their understanding of Scripture. And by books, I don't just mean uh, someone else's opinion on that. Uh, There's all kinds of study resources that a pastor needs at their disposal to rightly understand and correctly teach and preach God's message for today's world. 
And so these are just some practical tips of ways that you can be an encouragement to your pastor. Now, spend some time thinking about your individual pastor and their unique situation. There may be something that is challenging in their life that you can step in. And let me just close by adding this last one to the list. And it's tied to that is just simply be available. Go to your pastor, say, is there something around the church that I can do? Is there some project that needs to be done? Is there some way that I can serve? You don't know how that will encourage the heart of your pastor. And and as we all are laborers together with Jesus Christ in the work of his church. Thank you for joining us on our program. Until next time, may God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We encourage you to visit our website at AntiochBristol.com. There you will find many ways to contact us and connect with us, and so much more. Until next time, stand firm in Jesus' truth.